Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. We're studying hindrances of faith. I, I would really exhort you, encourage you to get last week's CD. How many were here last, last Wednesday? I would highly encourage you to get that CD. It talks about how the devil wants to drag you into an intellectual fight and how the mind is his playground and, and, and how, you know, you've got, you've got to fight your way out of that in order to maintain a life of faith. One of the greatest hindrances to faith is that the enemy gets you over in the realm of the intellect. Now, I like what Brother Hagin said years ago. I thought it was one of the great quotes uh, uh, of the faith message, and that is this. If Satan can keep you in the realm of the intellect, he'll keep you defeated all the time. But if you can keep him in the realm of the spirit, then you will stay in the victory. You can always tell when you're in the realm of the intellect, you have a desire to be in the victory. You kind of think to yourself, well, I don't have the victory. I need to get the victory. I've not got the victory. And you don't have any joy. You don't have any peace. But you can always tell when you're in the realm of the Spirit because it doesn't matter whether you've got the money that needs to come in or the pain's gone in your body. You're just, you're just so, so joyful and thankful that faith is working in your life that that doesn't, that doesn't even matter. You don't even care about it. You're just worshiping and glorifying God. Amen? Now, Romans 10, uh, verse. let's go to verse 9. We're going to talk about our words, and we'll try to get over to it because it kind of, kind of come at an angle that you might find kind of strange, but if you'll see it, you'll see how it's a hindrance. It says in verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, everybody say confess, the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart, everybody say heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now notice verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Years ago, the summer of 1984, I went to Livingstone's church on a Wednesday night, Wednesday night, and Pastor Al Jandel, we love Pastor Al here, he's preached in our Fall Harvest Conference before, uh, and uh, he was just in a conference in Tulsa where Dr. Oral Roberts was speaking. Now, Dr. Roberts had had a vision and had seen something, and I've even heard Dr. Roberts speak on this. He had seen four different spirits loosed on the United States that would abide on this nation, be on this nation, increase in their influence and their power as the days and weeks went on, and, and that they would greatly hinder the move of God in the lives of people that let it happen. Now, that was what? What was 18, 1985? That would have been how many years ago? 30? 33, yes, 33 years ago. So that's, that's, that's three decades and going on four decades ago. So he talked about, first of all, he said there would be a, 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 there's a spirit of terrorism. Now, have we seen that increase in the past 33 years? I mean, it's all, not just in the United States. It's all over the world. Foreign terrorism, homegrown terrorism, all kinds of terrorism that has taken place. We see that. He said division would come. He says there'd be a strong spirit of division he said that spirit of division would separate the political parties it would separate the races 
it would separate the ethnic, I mean, the, uh, 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 the classes of like the rich and the poor. He said that, that spirit would work in the world to just keep division multiplying all over the earth. Uh, he also said that in the church, an apostasy, a spirit of apostasy would happen in that which people would grow cold in their hearts toward the teaching of the Word of God. Now, I'm just going to say this to you and commend you tonight. You're an unusual group of people. You're a very unusual group of people to come and sit under the teaching of faith and do it week after week, month after month, year after year, and maintain your desire to do it. Now, I'm going to just say this is, I've had most of uh, uh, my ministry experience in this area, being, being uh, a pastor here for 16 years and then traveling out of this area for about 18 years. Listen, there were many, many Wednesday night services that I preached at Abundant Life to 1,000 to 1,500 people. There were many, many Sunday morning services up at Abundant Life. Some of these people know because they were there. Where I preached to 2,000 to 2,500 people. Many services. Uh, many services that I conducted in my own ministry in which the Sunday morning crowd would be full, but it would be the smallest crowd of the, entire, of the entire meeting. So it's an obvious observation that a lot of people have fallen out of this type of teaching and out of this movement and out of this, I don't even call it a movement because word of faith is not a movement. Word of faith is the way God operates. He's always been a faith God. And the Bible still says that without faith it is impossible to please Him. So over the years as I've seen the reduction, I mean, I, I'm around men like Pastor Mark Brzee, Pastor Sam Carr, both of them. I mean, Pastor Sam preached at Yonke Cho's church, 50,000 people. I mean, I've, I've, I've been in his church when there were uh, three and 4,000 people in attendance there. And, you know, we just came from a, a, a wonderful uh, conference there where we had about 1,000 people there. So people have left this. They, they're, they're, they've like, we don't want that. We're not, the, the hunger that was back in the, in, the, in the 70s, the 80s, and even into the 90s for the Word of God, the desire for the Word of God is not like it used to be, which is a sign of the times. And Dr. Lester Summerall taught us as young preachers years ago, he said one of the big, biggest mistakes that people make is they do not understand the day and the hour in which they live. So they're subject to what's ever going on in the day and the hour. You understand that? That means that if, if this is going on, they kind of fall into that. Or if that's going on, they kind of fall into that. But they don't stay true to what they are. An amazing thing about Brother Hagen is I was away from his ministry for about 13 years. I was not in one of his meetings for about 13 years. Last meeting I was in before I got away from the Lord was at First Assembly of God in Pasadena, Texas. The next meeting I was in about 13 years later was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And listen, he could have he stopped in one sentence and picked up in the same sentence 13 years later. Preached the same message. Had the same anointing. Never quit. Never stopped. Never altered. And many of those men of that generation, that era, they, they preached the same message. They preached on faith. They preached on gifts of the Spirit. They taught on integrity. They taught on growing up spiritually. All of those doctrines, now listen to me very closely, all of those doctrines that put a demand upon you were popular. I mean, when I was in Bible school, Wednesday night services were packed with people standing around the outside at Lakewood Church. And it wasn't that, that, that the speakers were so dynamic. It was that people had a hunger for the Word. Now, you have to maintain that in your life right now. 
That means back then it didn't even seem like you had to work at it. I mean, we our Bible school up at, uh, up at uh, uh, what was it called? The uh, uh, Awesome. We called it Awesome. I mean, I remember our, uh, one of our peak years, we had like, we had like 160 people in the day school and almost 200 in the night school. You know, you, you, you try to pull a little Bible school together, you get five people today. There was a hunger back then that has waned because of the times, which means God is looking for people who will develop a hunger. The Bible, Jesus himself said, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Now, when Jesus is on the earth, when he began to operate and he began to teach and preach, the revelation of what he said and the demonstration of what he did began to create a hunger. Amen? And I believe a move of God is right upon us right now in which there's going to be a demonstration of God again and which is going to begin to create a hunger in people's heart for the things of God. And the other thing is just the times itself is going to cause people to run out of options. It's going to run out of options. So many people have sought other options when it comes to the things of God. Now, with that in mind, think about this. Your belief system, we've taught for years on the belief system being the heart and the mouth and how the heart must be developed. You have to develop a heart for God. Now, we've talked about confession and speaking the Word and, and doing all the different uh, things you should do to maintain a life of faith, confessing the Word of God, doing the Word of God, meditating upon the Word of God, acting upon the Word of God, standing upon the Word of God, rejoicing in the Word of God. And you have to understand... The Word of God must be our central focus. That must be it. Uh, a mama ward years ago that taught me, I was in many of her meetings, used to say this, you can have no greater relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ than you have with this book right here. That You can have no greater relationship with it. Now, I wrote some things down. Let, let, me, let me kind of jump off from this angle right here. Here's four simple things. Number one, you must meditate upon the Word. Now, when I say meditate upon the Word, you've heard me teach this over and over again, but it bears repeating. Meditate upon the Word. You must read the Word. You must meditate upon the Word. You must memorize the Word. How many how many, how many been enjoying the Scriptures that we read every day? Aren't those cool? I've got some of them in my message tonight. I mean, I was studying to what I was going to preach, and all of a sudden I'm reading my Scriptures. Man, that go right in my message tonight. Amen? So you have to. Now, now listen. It's an exposure issue. It's an exposure issue. The more you expose yourself to the Word, the more what's in the Word is going to develop. Now let me say that again. The more you expose yourself to the Word, the more what the, that which is in the Word is going to develop in your life. You know, years ago back in the... I remember as a kid in, in elementary school, the, doing the, uh, the... What would you call it? Like you do a fire drill... We did those drills for the atomic bomb. How many remember that when you were in? That kind of dates you. Like, like that was really going to help you if you dropped an atomic bomb. But they would have us go out in the hall and, you know, uh, bend over and put our head down between our legs and, you know, all that kind of stuff. They did. They actually did that. Garfield Elementary School. Miss Swan, first grade teacher. Like that's going to help you, you know. Say, what happened to you? I didn't put my head down. <laughs> the atom bomb got me, you know. But what they were afraid of was exposure. It wasn't the blast, it was the radiation, the after effects. 
Because if you got exposed to that, we were re-watching that movie the other night about the Manhattan Project, about uh, uh, what was that guy's name that was the, the, the main scientist. Anyway, one of the guys, they were doing a preliminary experiment, and they dropped that, 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 that deal down into that uranium, and it, and it created an accident. Somebody dropped a cup of coffee, somebody misdid some, and it exposed all these, uh, there were six or seven men in there, and it exposed them all to radiation. And so all five of them got out real quick, but the main scientist, he stayed in there. And when they came in to get him, they start, took a Geiger counter and started going around. And the first thing he said was this. He said, I'm a dead man. Three days he was dead. He was overexposed. But the thing is, just like radiation is an unseen force coming out of whatever it is, uranium or all, so is the Word of God an unseen force. That's why it says over in the book of 2 Corinthians, for we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen. When we're looking into the Word of God, we're looking into the unseen. And what is in the unseen, although you may not be able to, to, to touch it, hear it, smell it, taste it, or see it, it still will have an effect upon you if you will expose yourself to it. So everybody say meditate. After meditating on the Word, you must act upon the Word. Now acting upon the Word includes speaking the Word, obeying the Word, acting upon the Word, Doing that which God requires of you in obedience to the Word of God. Amen? Now, number three. Everybody say number three. Number three, you must give the Word of God first place. That means above your opinions, above your ideas, above anything else, you're going to put God's Word first. Now, if you'll meditate upon the Word, act upon the Word of God, and put God's Word first, here's what will happen you will be able to be sensitive to the Spirit where the Spirit of God can speak to you and give you things to obey those things which God is telling you to do. Now, Lee and I are here as pastors of this church out of obedience to God. Uh, other areas, I could, I could name several other areas of our life, both private and personal, that we have been involved in in the last few years, that the reason those things are the way they are is our obedience to God. Now, here's the deal. The Word must stay the standard for it. And here is the, the enemy will always do this. He will always try to get you in the ditch in an area in order to keep you from progressing in faith. And a lot of people, they get thrilled, they get filled with the Holy Ghost, they learn how to speak with other tongues, they, uh, they start exposing themselves to the spirit realm, and they begin to compromise their, their, their exposure to the Word through what I call a false spirituality by thinking I can just pray in the Holy Ghost all the time and everything be okay. That ain't going to happen. That's going to that's cause you to end up be crazy. That's what it's going to do. Because the Word of God is the standard for how the Holy Ghost operates. And we must understand the Holy Ghost only operates in coordination with the Word of God. So now if you're walking by faith, there's going to be all kinds of components. If you're believing God for something, if you've got your faith out for something, there's going to be all kinds of components to these four things that you're going to have to walk in and be a part of in order to get what you're believing God for. Now, as I begin to think about the category of things that I've gone through in my life that Lee and I have gone through, we purchased a home on, on uh, what was the address? 3202 Avenue Q. Now, that home, I was, over a period of years, uh, the Lord had blessed us with a, a not beautiful home, and, and we were living there. But over a period of years, 
as Leah began to transition out of a business into our ministry, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want to reward Leah with a home for her faithfulness to come out of that business and into the ministry. Remember, I came and told you that. And so we, we begin to look at some houses. We had a visitor here uh, Sunday, Dr. Ivy and his wife. They had a beautiful home over on 17th and K. We went through that house. Oh, we thought that was it. It was just beautiful. It was just beautiful. And we wanted it. I mean, we, it, was, it was something we really desired and something we could not afford and something that there was no way we could get. So in prayer, the Lord spoke to me. You say, how did he speak to you? I'd been meditating upon the Word, acting upon the Word, and giving the Word first place. Are you with me? And so the Lord spoke to me and said, that's not the house. He didn't speak to Lee, he spoke to me. I could care less about houses. She's the real estate person that knows about houses and all this. So I'm fixing to leave for Europe for two weeks of ministry, and I go to her and I say, that's not the house. And she's kind of like, oh, you know. <laughs> and so back then, that was before cell phones. We didn't have cell phones back then. So we had specific times in which I would call or she would call. Well, I guess I would always call. You didn't have a number. So I would always call her. And so during conversations, while I was over in Europe, I told her, go out and find the 10 most favorite houses that you want to look at, and then when I get home, you know, a couple of days after I get home, we'll go look at those houses. She said, okay. Man, she went and did her homework, and she had all those houses lined up from the most expensive to the least expensive. Had them lined up. So we walked into the first house, which was 3202Q, and walked into it, and when I walked in to the, to the foyer, and stood in the foyer and looked around, the Holy Ghost said, that is your house. He said, how do you know it was the Holy Ghost? I had been meditating upon the Word, acting upon the Word, giving the Word first place in my life. Are you with me? So, we asked how much it was, we, and it was the most expensive house. I said, did you have the money to buy it? No, we did not. We did not have the money. We did not have anything. We were just... God said it's ours. Okay, it's ours. So we begin the process of believing we receive. In that process, there were several impartations of the Holy Ghost in which He communicated to us specific things to do. Amen? Now, He spoke to me. I don't know why He spoke to Leah. I was busy doing other things. But He kept speaking to me, so I kept listening. Now, he said, how do you know it's the Holy Ghost? Here's how. I was meditating upon the Word, acting upon the Word, and giving the Word first place in my life. Are you, are you with me? The first thing the Holy Ghost told me, it was exactly how much money I would pay for the house. Exactly. To the penny. He told me how much. Which was a whole lot less than they were asking. Amen. Secondly, the Holy Ghost said, here is how you're going to make your offers. You're going to make an offer of, of this, and this is what they're going to say. And you're going to make an offer of this, and this is what they're going to say. And you're going to make an offer of this, and this is what they're going to say. And then you're going to make your last offer at 4.45 p.m. on a Friday. And you're going to tell them, this is my final offer. And they're not going to, you're going to, everything you're going to hear is going to be negative. But on Monday morning, they'll call you and say it's your house. Is that right? Now, during that time, we were in a fight. Because there were some people that lived in the house 
that had yielded to some spirits, and I'm not going to get into that, but they were very living a lifestyle, very motivated by demonic spirits. So in this fight, the Holy Ghost said two more things. Number one, he said this, you're going to have to deal with the spirit of greed. So we begin to get in agreement and deal with the spirit of greed. He said, secondly, and this, was the, this is the one that really helped us. He said, you're going to have to get your eyes off of what you can't do and what you don't have. And if you'll get your eyes off what you can't do and what you don't have, you will break through and receive what I told you to receive in the first place. Amen? Remember that? I wrote it down. I still have it wrote down to this day. We obeyed God. The Holy Ghost spoke to us. We did exactly what the Spirit of God said. And on that Monday morning, the phone rang, and they said, the house is yours. Amen? Now, there was a whole other side of the story in which Leah was dealing with the house that we currently had. And she was told, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. And God had spoken to her the exact amount of money that she was going to sell that house for. And everyone told us, you will never sell that house for that much money. We sold that house for that much money. Bought the house for the other amount of money that God said to us. <laughs> Went to closing. Did a, what was it called? A, a double? Went to a double closing and came home with a check for $30,000. You say, how did that happen? I haven't got a clue. All I know is we meditated in the Word, acted upon the Word, put the Word of God first place, amen, and the Spirit of God spoke to us. Are you with me? Now, in these processes, now I used, I used a, a financial situation because most people can, re, can relate to something financial. Not everybody's believing God for healing. Not everybody's believing God for, you know, something else like that. But most people can relate to financial things. I could have used a healing example. We've got several of those. But in that, now looking back, I recognized and realized there were several things that could have greatly affected that process and hindered faith in our hearts. Amen? Now, that's one of the ways we learned about worshiping God. Instead of fighting that fight in your mind, just worshiping God. Saying, devil, I'm not going to try to answer the how, the where, the why. Because if you do that, remember what we said last week, for every question you answer, he will ask five more. And that keeps your mind all stirred up. You're in his bar room, so to speak. And he's keeping you in the intellect and you're not in the spirit. Secondly, we had to be careful with our words. So that's what I want to talk about tonight. Now, now when I say that, most people just, just regress back to, well, Pastor, you really, I've got that. You know, I, I, I confess the word. I, I'm not talking about that. The reason I went to Romans 10, 9, and 10 is to help you understand that your heart and your mouth is your belief system. Let me say it again. Your heart and your mouth is your belief system. And just like God wants to get His Word in your heart and your mouth, the enemy wants to get 
His word in your heart and your mouth, but He's not going to do it in such a way where you recognize it. He's going to do it in a subtle way. He's going to do it in a way in which you do not recognize. He's going to try to camouflage it so that you will end up saying things and believing things that just aren't so. Amen? Now, we say in retrospect, we couldn't afford that house. We never said that during that process. Now let me say that again. We say that in retrospect on the testimony side of having already received, we couldn't afford that house. That was the facts. But we never looked at each other and said, we can't afford this house. We never said that. You say, why? Even though we were in faith, and that might have been a fact, to say that to each other would have deposited in our belief system a belief which would have gone contrary to that which God was doing. Are you with me? Now, you've got to recognize and realize that there is terminology. I like to call it the language of redemption. Not only do you have to learn what to say, you've got to learn how to say it. Amen? I still go back to second grade, Miss Smith, Garfield Elementary School. She's looking down the hall at a bunch of first graders, turning the lights off and on. I'm standing in the line, waiting to go out to lunch. She says to the teacher in the next, in the next room, standing out with her children, look at those rowdy kids, and then she turns right down, into the, down looking down the line and says, turning the lights off and on. I thought she was telling me, to turn the lights off and on. So I get out of line, and I walk over there. Can you see it? And start turning the lights off and on. Now, she didn't like me anyway. Because we were Pentecostal, and she was a square dance freak. So she, made, she had all the girls in little square dance things, and she had all the boys in these little western suits, and I just sat over there because we didn't believe in square dancing. Only one in the class. So I'm over there turning the lights off and on, and she went berserko. And it took me years later to figure out she did say to turn the lights off and on. Amen. But not in the context of what I did. And you've got to understand, God will speak to you at times. And the enemy just wants you to hear the turn the lights off and on part. Instead of look at all those rowdy kids turning the lights off and on. Amen? Because he knows. Now listen to me. He is not a creator. You are. You are made in the likeness and image of God. And he knows the type of spirit being you are. That he, if he can stimulate you to say something enough times to the point that you believe it. And the problem with a lot of faith people is they have highly developed their spirit and their confession, and the enemy knows it. It'd be like going out and working out and working out and working out until, you're, you know, until your arms are great old big like you're, you know, you got these huge arms and just start whacking yourself. Well, that'd be stupid. But that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do is develop your belief system until where it's so strong. I've seen it happen on, on levels unbelievable. Unbelievable levels. 
in preachers where they would pick up some little thought that was obviously the devil and begin to say that thing and say that thing until they believe that thing and wash their whole ministry down the drain with it. Amen? I mean, I, we were riding around Pastor Mark Brzee over in Tulsa uh, last November, two, two Novembers ago. He was doing a healing meeting, and I just flew up there to hang out with him. And he was, he, we drove by a church. He said, uh, he said, remember so-and-so? He mentioned this pastor's name. And it, this big, beautiful property, big, beautiful building. See, you used to see thousands of people used to come. And this guy got off on a tangent that everyone goes to heaven, no matter what. No matter who you are, you go to heaven. Doesn't matter. The mercy of God, the grace of God comes. He wouldn't let go of it. He wouldn't let go of it. People tried to talk to him about it. And he, listen, it washed his ministry down the drain. And what happened was, is he believed it in his head, in his head, in his head, in his head. The answer to the enemy puts things. And he kept, he kept rolling it around, entertaining it, rolling it around. Till he, what? Till he said it. When he said it, he gave birth to it. Now, how many read your Bibles today? Do you remember where it was? What was your scripture today? Tell me. Mark chapter 4. Why don't you go there? Now look at this. This is interesting. I want you to see something. I want you to, first of all, look at this portion. It says in verse 10, when he was alone, uh, they that were uh, uh, about him uh, with the twelve asked of him of the parable. He said unto them, unto you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. That seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, least at any time they should be converted and their sins be forgiven. Now notice this. Here's the parable of the sower. He said unto them, Know ye not the parable? How shall you, know you not know all parables? He's actually saying this. You better get this parable. If you don't get this parable, you won't get the rest of them. So he says this. He says, The sower soweth the word. Everybody say, The sower soweth the word. Now how does the sower sow the word? Does anybody know? By speaking it. The word is sown by speaking. Now, of course, I'm up teaching and preaching, so I'm sowing the word. But the word primarily is sown in your heart through your own confession, through your own speaking of the word of God. Now, notice, this is interesting. I was studying this today. Notice what it says. It says, these are they by the wayside, uh, where the word is sown, where when they have heard, if I say heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their heart. So if they heard, that means something was being said, right? And these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground. When they have heard, so here it is again, something is being said. When they heard what the word, immediately receiving with gladness, have no root in themselves, so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, that which was spoken, immediately they are offended. These are they which are sown among thorns, which such as, say it, hear, so if they're hearing something's being said or spoken. I was in a conversation with somebody a while back. Man, they were, and they were just hammering on what I preach. And I, I said, listen. And they were talking about how you know, attentive to they are to the Word and all this kind of stuff. And I made this statement to them, and it just kind of rocked them back. I said, you've listened to a whole lot of teaching and preaching, but you ain't heard nothing. Of course, that didn't make them real happy. And so their response was, how do you know? And I said, well, you're not doing this and not doing this and not doing that and not doing that. And I named about five things that they weren't doing. And they were like, oh, my God. I said, the proof that you hear something is in your actions. 
Amen. I mean, it starts with salvation. The proof that you heard the word of salvation is that you're born again. Now remember, church, remember, remember these things are spiritual things. Every time we get together, we're dealing with spiritual things. Today, meditating on the word, thinking about these things. Jesus, when he died on the cross, did a spiritual work. Now, if you could have went up and examined him on the cross, on the cross, he had taken what? Our sin, our sickness, our poverty, our lack, anything that would oppress or destroy. Now, if you'd have been a physician, a modern-day physician, uh, 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 2018, we send Dr. Victor Jackson back. Amen? He takes his kits, his examining things. As he examines Jesus on the cross, he's not going to find cancer in his body. He's not going to find leukemia in his body. He's not going to, listen, he's not going to find any disease in his body. You say, why? Well, it's in his spirit. Which shows us that the origin of sickness and disease is spiritual. Now you say, well, how can you say that? Well, didn't he also take our sin? But he didn't rob any banks. He didn't commit adultery. He didn't do anything. What did he do? He took it into his spirit. So faith is the application of spiritual things to spiritual things. In order to get a natural result. You say, what do you mean by that? When, when faith was applied to salvation and you believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth, now look how your life has changed. You got a natural result out of it. You don't go the places you used to go. You don't listen to what you used to listen to. You don't smoke what you used to smoke, drink what you used to drink. There was a corresponding natural action to a spiritual decision and act that you performed. So Jesus is kind of amplifying this and saying, now listen, the word is going to be sown. It's going to be sown. It's going to be spoken. You've got to meditate on it. You've got to hear it preached. You've got to read it. You've got to memorize it. You've got to, you've got to infuse. You've got to expose yourself to the word. Amen? And if you'll expose yourself to the word, then what's going to happen is you're not going to listen because listening is a natural act. How many of you listened in school? Now, if you passed, amen, I mean, I've watched Breland her whole student career. She'll study and study and study and study and go, you know, several tests this year. She didn't think she'd do very good. She went and did real well. Of course, we prayed over and all that kind of stuff. But if you were to, to, to bring her in right now and sit her down and say, now, this test you took last October, now, now give me those answers again. She wouldn't have them. She'd be like, are you crazy? That's because education demands listening. So we are conditioned to listen. Now let me try that again. How many of you remember all those, you know, uh, uh, lessons and, you know, I mean, there's, I, I remember history, but that's, a, you know, a little bit of geography. I like geography. But science and all that stuff, I don't have a clue. I remember that stuff. You say, well, I'm listening. So we as humans have been conditioned to listen, which is a lower level than hearing. Amen. And as you listen and listen and listen and listen and listen and listen, but never hear, then you draw your spirituality from that which you're listening to, and you're deceived. Because you're spiritual in your mind. And I've met people so spiritual in their mind, I thought, oh my goodness, you haven't got a clue what you're talking when I was When I first came back to the Lord, there was a little Galveston Christian Center over where the, uh, the boys' club is on 44th Street or right over there by Ball High School. 
They used to meet every Monday night. We'd go over there, prayer meeting and things like that. And there was a nun that was there that had MS, uh, 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 muscular dystrophy, and uh, was dying of it, was dying. What is it? What's the, what was Jerry's kids' stuff? What are they, those, those people that have that? Multiple sclerosis. Okay, one, yeah. Anyway, she had, she's dying of it. And I'll never forget a conversation. About four of us went over to Denny's after a prayer meeting. And I'll never forget a conversation about healing. She was saved, born again, and filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. Amen? But on the subject of healing, she said this to me. And when she said it to me, I knew she believed it. She said, I'm going to die with this, and this is how my death will glorify God. She believed that. She had heard that through indoctrination. And what religion tries to do is indoctrinate. Now, if you've never been exposed to this, you will one day. People will leave churches like this one. And you will run into them somewhere and say, well, you haven't been in church. Well, we're going back to the Catholic church. We're going back to the Baptist church. But I'll tell you one thing. I don't go to that faith church no more. I quit drinking the Kool-Aid. I've never heard something like that. I'm not drinking that Kool-Aid anymore. Well, now what they're referring to, who, who are they referring to? Jim Jones. People's Temple. Let's all die. Let's all drink the Kool-Aid. So what they're referring to is an indoctrination that was so powerful, so demonic, that it caused people to kill themselves in mass. I'd have said no. That's one altar call wouldn't answer. Amen. But that shows you how strong indoctrination is. So when they sit under the teaching of faith, which takes revelation, automatically they begin to view that as indoctrination, because that's the only thing Christianity's done. For 200 years in America. Unless there's a move of God and people are preaching revelation. When Brother Hagin began to teach on faith, when God told him, go teach my people faith, he began to teach revelation. Mark 23, people refuted that. They wrote books against him. They still do to this day. You can't have what you say. That's the most craziest thing I have. But it works in humanity every day. Amen? So you've got to understand, here's Jesus sowing the word. Sowing the word, sowing the word. Now notice this, verse, verse, uh, verse 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it. Everybody say, hear the word and receive it. You have to get to the point where when you hear the word, I receive that. I receive that. That is a revelation. How many have ever been sitting here and God gave you revelation? I was teaching the Word or something, and all of a sudden you went, oh my God, I've never seen that before. And all of a sudden, you've, you, you've gone past listening. You've been elevated to a higher level. You're hearing now, which takes the work of the Spirit. I remember when revelation began to come. I'd sit in Bible school sometimes and just sit there and stare and go, I mean, the teacher would be teaching, and 15 minutes into the lesson, revelation had come to me, and I wouldn't hear the rest of the class. The rest of the class, I've never heard nothing. Because that point of revelation that hit my spirit stopped the communication so that the revelation could be imparted. 
And once that revelation began to become imparted, then I begin to do what? I begin to act on it and speak it. And as that began to happen, I begin to hear from the Spirit of God. That's the only way I got through Bible school. I got through Bible school through a revelation. God gave me a revelation, acting upon that revelation. I'm telling you, I, I was not a good student. I was not a good studier. I mean, books that we had to read were phenomenal books. I mean, you know, our, my first class with Brother Osteen was E.W. Kenyon's Advanced Bibles course. I mean, if you've never read that book, whew, I mean, it's pretty intense. So I had to have something not natural because in the natural, I'm not making it through Bible school. And what was really cool about God is He had isolated me from people that would have afforded me the opportunity to say. Sometimes people aren't your best friends. You say, what do you mean by that? They afforded me an opportunity not to say. I'm telling you, I don't think I can make it. I don't think I'm past these tests. I don't, I don't, I'm telling you, Brother Osteen's class, that's hard. Rachel Birchfield's class, that's hard. Dennis Key's class, I'm telling you, I can't, I, I, I ain't getting this. I mean, if there would have been people around me, just a few words could have stimulated that out of me and what was being developed in me that would have caused me to believe would have worked against me. Amen? Now, how's my time? Got one minute over. Give me two more. Let me go to this other one. We'll skip that one go to this other one. Go to the book of James. Another great scripture we read. Amen. Now look at, look at verse. Let me show you how this relates. Look at verse 11. Now what do we talk about? Anybody remember? Hindrances to our faith. Speak not evil of one another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother... Speaketh evil of the law. See the word law? Take that out, put the word word. Speaketh evil of the word. And judgeth the word. But if thou judge the word, thou art not a doer of the word, but a judge. Now I've met so many people. And, 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 and you could throw the one subject that so many people will judge and become the judge of the word instead of a doer of the word is tithing. Amen. Did I tell you James chapter 4? James chapter 4. I mean, you, if a person is not tithing out of fear, out of whatever it may be, and you come to them and show them Scripture in the Word of God and say, this is what the Word says, this is what the Word says, this is what the Word says, there'll be an automatic judgment of that based on information that's come. Most of them are very well informed of, well, that's under the law. Well, what was the law? <laughs> It's the Word. Amen. And so, not understanding how the some 230-odd laws of Moses had been done away with, but the law of tithing or the word of tithing has not been done away with. Let me ask you a question. How many believe the Ten Commandments have been done away with? Does anybody? No. God said in the new birth, He's going to take them and write them on our hearts. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt have no other gods before thee, thou shalt not commit adultery, on and on and on. Listen, where do, you, where do they come from? Moses wrote them. Amen? So all of a sudden, here's an intellectual decision and a word I don't believe in. 
And you can attach whatever you want to to the end of that. I don't believe in healing. I don't believe in a baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I don't believe in tithing. Anything that you begin to form words and speak will take and move your faith in the opposite direction and move you out of rest and into unbelief. I don't believe in, and then you fill in the blank, whatever you want to put in there. I don't believe in sanctification. A lot of people don't believe in it. I don't believe in righteousness. Man, you, we, we throw the word righteousness around here, the word righteousness around here, like everybody really knows what we're talking about. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. Righteous. You go in the majority of Christian churches in Galveston and stand up and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21. They will run you out and brand you a heretic and say, you are out of your mind. No, there's none righteous. No, not one. We ain't read the rest of the Scripture. They don't have a revelation. So what you've got to do, now notice, let me do this before I get ahead of myself. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? I've got to read this in the Amplified. My brethren, do not speak evil about or accuse one another. He that maligns a brother or judges his brother is maligning and criticizing the word and judging the word. But if you judge the word, you are not a practicer of the word, but a censor and a judge of it. Now this is what I learned. As I started growing up in the things of God, I learned to keep my mouth shut. Because all of a sudden, doctrines were being presented to me that even in the Goodwin's church were not preached. As great as a preacher as Dad Goodwin was, he didn't have all the revelation. As great as a teacher and preacher as Brother Hagin was, he didn't have all the revelation. And as I got into Bible school, one of the most powerful doctrines that impacted me was the doctrine of righteousness because I was used to getting right with God every service. Come on, church. And even recently, somebody just really hammered me with this fact. We're all sinners. <laughs> no, we're not. We all sin every day, all the time. I'm like, no, we don't. Come on, church. If you do, get saved. And you won't be a sinner anymore. You will be the righteousness of God in Christ. They were a censor and a judge of the Word. And as a censor and a judge of the Word, they cut off the ability of the Word to affect them or the expose. It's like putting on the lead suit. Amen? When you go into the, uh, the radiation room or whatever, you know, I always wonder when the dentist takes an a, a x-ray of your mouth and they, they put that little apron over you like this, but they walk out of the room. You know, I'm thinking, huh. How many of these do I need? What they're doing is they're exposing you, amen? But what happens is, see, 
we're, we're teaching on what? Hindrances to faith. And this is one of the number one things that causes that question. Well, why, why, didn't, why did so-and-so die and didn't get healed? Well, we were really believing God for this money and didn't come in. Well, well what about this and that? And, and all of a sudden, what did we say last week? So you're going to have to tie these two messages together. All those questions, all those questions, all those questions are trying to get you to become a judge of the Word. And as a judge of the Word, instead of hearing, you lower yourself to a listening level and you begin to question that which God is saying to you. And when you do that, what happens? happens is you begin to censor that and say, well, I really don't think that works. And when you've done that, you've departed from what faith desires to do, which is to go into that unseen realm and bring your provision into the seen realm. And you've nullified. You say, well, you're just making it too complicated to believe God. It's not that complicated. We do it every day. These are not things you are doing or not doing. This is all of our behavior all the time. And we've got to just watch ourselves and make sure we keep our eyes on Jesus and our eyes on the Word of God. Because we are living in a time in which there, in which there is a lot being said and a lot being said about the way you and I believe. Amen. And if you're going to, now let me say this, I'll close with this. If you're going to get what faith can bring to you. I had a, what was that? I'd have to go back to my, one of my field Bibles. To, that the Lord, the Holy Ghost gave me a saying. What righteousness dictates, faith appropriates. What faith appropriates, grace is already supplied. That's my saying. Did you hear that? You say, what do you mean? Righteousness dictates. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Righteousness dictates by His stripes you are healed. Righteousness dictates my God shall supply all of your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Righteousness dictates that. Out of the Word. I mean, you don't have to interpret it. You don't have to spin it. It's the Word of God. It's life. It's life. And it'll work for you. It's in the unseen realm, but faith in that brings what righteousness dictates into your life. Faith appropriates it. Why? Because grace has already provided it. So anything the enemy can do to usurp that, he's going to try to do it by creating the questions in your mind that he is trying to birth a word out of you. Well, Pastor, I, I just don't think it works like that. Well, it works like what? It just works. There's no works like that. It just works. And what we seem to forget is we're dealing with an unseen realm. A realm that we are not used to, acclimated to, or a realm that we actually live in. It is a realm we access. And how do we access the spirit realm? What in your life touches the natural and the spirit realm? Your words. Your words are the only thing you have. Your breath doesn't do it. Your eyes don't do it. Your hand, oh, I'm going to reach up here in the spirit realm. No, you're not. <laughs> There's always somebody think they can, amen? No, your words. That's why Jesus said, by your words you're justified, by your words you're condemned. And the point we're trying to make tonight is you have to, if you're in a fight of faith, if you are believing God, that which the enemy we talked about last night is trying to stimulate in your mind, he's trying to get a word out of you. Not a word of God. A word of doubt. A word of unbelief. Well, I just don't know if it's working. I, you know, I don't know.
I don't know. I mean, if you came to one of Lee and I's private prayer meetings, you say, what do you mean? Well, we pray on Tuesdays and sometimes Thursdays. Tuesdays and Thursdays, just she and I together. You'd think, man, they already got, they already got the money. They already got this. They already got, they, they're, they're already 20 years into what they're, you, that's what we sound like. You say, what do you mean by that? We're not dealing with the current situation of the problems that we're involved in. We've already believed we received and we've moved on beyond that. We've moved on beyond. We're living, we're living out ahead of where we are. And the way you live out ahead of where you are is to access that unseen realm through your own words by speaking the Word of God, acting like what you're believing God for you already have. Amen? I mean, we began believing for land and buildings and all the, do you know we're acting like we already have it? You say, how do you do that? We've continued, we didn't, we haven't stopped the architectural work. We haven't stopped it. We've got a major thing that she and I are praying over right now. You say, what is it? None of your business. She and I are praying over it right now. We need an answer from God. And when God gives us that answer, I'm telling you, wait and see. You'll see. You'll see the, you'll see the fruit of it. You'll see the results of it. So you have to receive it. Everybody say receive it. That's how you got saved. You received a word. And what did you do? Exactly what John. Well, I, I don't know if I'm saved. I, I don't think I'm saved. You, you, <laughs> you believed you received and you were born again. Why? That's what the Word says. So, remember the principle. Number one, meditate on the Word. Everybody say meditate. Everybody say act. Everybody say put the Word first. And then you do what? You hear from God. You hear from the Holy Spirit. that help you tonight? Lift up your hands and thank the Lord. Father, we thank you this evening that our words will not betray or deny the faith that is in our hearts. And we will keep our adversary in the realm of the Spirit in a place of our victory and his defeat. And we thank you, Father, no matter how spiritual the words may sound, we are not going to become a censor or a judge of the Word of God. We're going to let the Word of God do its work in us, for us and through us in all areas in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your word of protection. We pray it over our church. We pray it over those that, that aren't even here tonight, Lord. Over our children, over our teenagers. We declare your word. No evil befalls us. No plague comes to our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. So we thank you, Father, whether we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation. We are protected by God. Father, we also thank you that in the righteous labor of, our, labor of our hands, the resource in which we handle, no matter where it may be or what we may do, from the ocean to the, to the oil refineries, to the medical center, to education, every way in which we handle financial resources, working, out doing our jobs every day, we declare we're not subject to trauma, terror, accidents, evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thank you, Father, for the door of utterance. Let us always be sensitive to your spirit. And remember and know around us every day are lost, hurting, confused, worried people that need Jesus, that need a Savior. Let us be an answer to their prayer, a problem to the adversary. Let us be a miracle in their life. Lord, we leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you. Thank you for loving us so much. We leave tonight walking in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave tonight as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood. 
empowered by the Word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.